Good morning, everyone. It is an exciting day for me. Um, it's been a long time coming uh, in my life, but it is just, yeah, I'm just super excited about what God is going to do through me here and in the community, and it is my great honor and privilege to serve you as one of your pastors here. So thank you very much for the opportunity, your encouragement over the past couple of months, and thank you very much. When I, when I was thinking about uh, what I was going to teach about today, one story just kept coming back into my mind over and over and over again, and so I couldn't help but share it with you. It, it's not a very significant story, but I think it just illustrates Jeremiah's interaction with God so well. Um, it happened when Sarah and I were in college together. Uh, she was having a particularly difficult week had a lot of tests going on, a uh, very busy schedule, and so me, being the good boyfriend that I was trying to be, decided that I was going to cook her dinner on Friday night. And to, to many of you who are experts in the kitchen, chefs, gourmets, that may not seem like a big deal to you, but to me it was a very big deal. Uh, most of my college diet consists of frozen pizza, whatever snacks I could scour from our pantry, and takeout. So for me to actually sit down, plan a recipe, cook a full meal was like a big endeavor. But I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. I'll be a good boyfriend. It'll be a great way to break up her week and just give her this nice meal. And so I scoured the internet for recipe. I checked a bunch of web websites and eventually settled on a Mediterranean chicken pasta. And it's something I'd never made before. Like I had made spaghetti, so there was like some crossover. And I, I really threw myself into it. I, I slaved in the kitchen for what seemed like hours. And Sarah came over uh, to my apartment and we shared this meal together. And, and she was so gracious and appreciative and ended up bragging on me on Facebook saying, oh, what a great boyfriend I have. You cooked me dinner. And only to find out later that it was not a good meal. Like even when I was eating it, like I had given so much commitment to it, right, that you kind of like hype yourself up, like thinking it's going to be good. And so even if it's not the best, you like convince yourself that you put all this effort into it and it should be good. But it wasn't. No, the pasta was undercooked. The chicken was probably almost raw. And I had forgotten to pit the olives. So anytime you would bite into olive, you would come across this pit, which really interrupted your eating experience. And Sarah graciously and lovingly shared this with me later that night. And I was a little crushed, to be honest, because I was so excited about doing this amazing thing for her and, and providing her this meal. But seemingly I had forgotten that I was not a cook at all, that I was not qualified to be shooting for this huge goal of cooking a full meal and having a pasta and some chicken and that I was not prepared for what I was trying to do. And in our encounter with God today, Jeremiah feels the same way, I think. He wants to do what God is calling him to, but feels dramatically unequipped and unprepared for what God is going to call him to. And so in our Encountering God series, we've been covering various parts of the Bible and ways that God has interacted and encountered people. And not only what that reveals about how God could interact with us, but how and who 
God is. Not only the person of God, not only knowing about God, but really knowing God personally. So, we're in Jeremiah 1. This is God's call of Jeremiah as a prophet to the people of Judah. And it starts off like this. This is Jeremiah 1.1. It says, The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anthoth, in the territory of Benjamin, the word of the Lord came to him. This is how a lot of calls of prophets start off. They tell a little bit about the person, who they are, why God's calling them, and the word of the Lord comes to them. That's the language that the Bible uses of God calling them to be the, his prophet, to be his messenger, to be his communicator to the people that he has. But I think even in this first verse, there's something significant going on. You see, the city of Anthoth was about three miles from Jerusalem. So Jeremiah was a kid from the suburbs, living in the suburban area outside of the big city of Jerusalem, maybe learning how to be a priest already from his father. His father would travel that three miles daily by foot, going to work in the temple and then returning home at the end of the day. And so even in these first couple verses, we get a glimpse into the way that God calls people. It's not God like looking out into the world and eeny, meeny, miny, mo and picking someone to use for his mission. Or on the other side, it's not God looking in his infinite wisdom and power and seeing who the best person is, seeing who the best speaker would be, the best orator, or seeing the elites of the society who would have the most power and influence. No, here we see that God has chosen a kid from the suburbs. Much like many of our students here who live in the suburban area around Denver. But God has called Jeremiah. God has selected him. And as we'll see in the next verse, this has been a long time coming. God did not decide one day to be like, oh, I'll use this person. No, God has been in the works molding and forming Jeremiah for this exact moment and what he is going to do through him. So in the next verse, in the next set of verses, we see the way God has been working even before Jeremiah was even born. In verse 4, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, this is Jeremiah speaking, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God had not decided that one day to choose Jeremiah for this calling. No, God had been in the works for years, even from his mother's womb, developing, forming him, molding him for the mission that he has for him. This language here is language that's used throughout the Bible that's really, really rich with meaning. These words formed and known talk about a really intimate, personal knowledge that God is not distant or separated from Jeremiah, but knows the intimate and details of his life, the stuff that nobody else knows besides Jeremiah. God knows Jeremiah better than he even knows himself. The word formed here is the same word that the Bible uses in Genesis to describe God molding and developing Adam out of the dust of the earth and breathing, him into, breathing into him the breath of life. God has purpose-built 
Jeremiah for this calling. And the word known here can also be translated as chose. God has selected. God has picked. God has been very intentional in what he is doing. Drawing Jeremiah even from his mother's womb, building him up to this point in his life where God is going to reveal to him the calling that he has for him. And I couldn't help but read this passage thinking about my own life. As Matt said, Sarah and I are expecting our first child here in August. And we're preparing. We're getting the nursery ready. We just put up like pictures on the walls. We got the crib set up. We're thinking about how to baby-proof our, our new house. Um, the, the stairway in the house, it, it's kind of older. And so the bars are pretty far apart. So much so that we're going to have to think about ways to prevent our child from moving through those bars and accidentally falling down the stairs. And we just recently found out and announced to a few people, but we're having a baby girl, and so that's really exciting. And so we're thinking about how that little life, that little girl is going to dramatically change ours. And we're praying and preparing. But even, even as we are doing a bunch of stuff, I already know that God is working on her, that God is forming, molding, and developing her for the plans and the life that God is calling her to. I already know that God is going to do amazing things through our daughter. And that already makes me, even as Sarah is pregnant right now, a proud father, because I know that God is going to do amazing things through her. And it's not just for my daughter. It's not just for Jeremiah. It's not just for people that are called pastors. It's for each one of us. The Bible affirms over and over and over again that God has not only been intimately involved in our lives, but that God is developing us, forming us, growing us, changing us to be people that are equipped and set up for the calling that he's placed on our lives. The story of Jeremiah is one of God revealing the call that he has for him. And the story of our own life can be the, the God revealing his own calling to us. And so God has just explained this intimate knowledge, this choosing of Jeremiah, this selection, forming, molding, and developing of who he's going to be so that God can use him. And so, as you might imagine, Jeremiah responds, and he's like, I'm ready, God. I'm ready. Use me. Let's go. Let's do this. I'm your prophet to the nations. Tell me my mission. I'm ready. Let's go. But that's not what he says at all. In fact, he says something almost exactly opposite of what God has just declared over him. Finally, Jeremiah responds in verse 6. He says, Alas, sovereign Lord, I don't know how to speak. God had just told him that he had purpose built him, designed him, developed him for this mission, for this calling. And yet the first thing that Jeremiah says in response is that he doesn't know how to speak. We can imagine Jeremiah, even as he's saying this statement, almost mumbling through his words. Star, starstruck by God declaring this over him and him saying, 
I don't know if I'm able to do that. I don't know if I have the ability to be the great speaker that you need me to be. God, I I know you're perfect. I know you know everything, but I think you might have messed up on this one. Like, I'm not sure if you got the right guy. I don't know if I'm the person that you want me to be. I don't know how to speak. And yet, in the midst of this, I can almost imagine like a pregnant pause. That there's this like moment where Jeremiah is seeing how God is going to respond to his feelings of inadequacy. His feelings that he doesn't have the ability to respond to what God is calling him to. But yet God in love and appreciation of Jeremiah's honesty doesn't respond with critique, doesn't respond with criticism or a questioning of Jeremiah's commitment or faith or trust that this is the calling that God has for him. No, God responds by speaking truth to his feelings of insecurity. In verse 9, God responds to how Jeremiah doesn't feel he can speak. It says, Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth, touched Jeremiah's mouth, and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. God didn't respond with critique or criticism or frustration or annoyance. No, God responds by speaking truth to Jeremiah's insecurities. When he touches his mouth, he's actively saying, you know what, Jeremiah, I know that you struggle with speech. I know your abilities. I know who you are. And yet I've chosen you anyway. When Jeremiah receives God's words, when God puts his very words in his mouth, he must feel affirmed. It is not his own ability, his own reliance, his own ability to speak that he has to rely on. No, God has given him the very words that he has to say. All he has to do is be willing to speak them. I have put my very words in your mouth. In the midst of Jeremiah's feelings of insecurity and lack of ability, God has given him security and promised him his ability to be used by God. And isn't that true for us too? Just like Jeremiah, when God calls us and leads us and guides us to do something amazing, I think our natural response is to say, God, I don't don't know if you got the right person. Like, you may know who I am, but maybe you don't know about this. Do you really know my abilities? Do you really know what I can and cannot do? Did you get the right person? And I think, just like Jeremiah, we receive from God not criticism, not critique, but saying, I know who you are. I know who I have called. called. I know you. I will give you the words to speak. I will give you the abilities that you need to do your call, the abilities that you need to follow the outline of the life that I have for you. God gives not only Jeremiah the words to speak, but I believe that God gives us the words to speak.
And now Jeremiah has got to be ready, right? He's, get, he's expressed his concerns. He's been given the words to speak. He knows that God has formed him from his mother's womb to be purpose-built for this mission. Jeremiah's got to be ready, right? But even as we look at the second part of verse 6, Jeremiah expresses another concern. The second part of verse 6 says, I don't know how to speak. Why? I am too young. At the beginning of this section, Jeremiah is, is talked about in relation to his father. He isn't talked about in relation to his own household or his wives or his kids, anything like that. And so Jeremiah was probably unmarried. Scholars believe that he was at most maybe like 20 years old, in his late teens, maybe early 20s, and that God was calling him to not only giving one message, one sermon, one announcement, but no, a lifelong of service. That information there in the beginning of the verses that we jumped past basically outlines that Jeremiah was called to 40 years of ministry to God. 40 years of announcing a, med- a message of judgment, of challenging the way that the leaders were uh, leading their societies, and that conquest was coming from the Babylonians. Not a message that you want to be giving day after day, year after year. God was calling Jeremiah to a career of service to him, to a lifetime, to 40 years of giving God's message. And now, even having had his abilities affirmed, giving, receiving God's words, Jeremiah now says, do you, do you know me? I know you know my abilities. I know you know about me. You've given me these words to speak. But do you know who I am? Do you know my age? Do you know how young I am? Do you know I'm maybe in my early 20s? Do you know who I am, God? I think when we read the Bible, I don't know if this is true for you, it's true for me, we often fall into one or two, one or two responses of the way that people in the Bible respond to God's calling to them. We see the people in the Bible who do miracles, who lead other people to salvation, who in one day, like in Acts, bring four or 5,000 people the good news of the gospel and they all accept it. And when we see people in the Bible like that, I think it leads us to question our own faith. Are we worthy of that sort of calling? Are we able to be used by God in the way that these people have? these heroes of the faith, because it seems like they have something supernatural going on in their life that gives them the ability to have such a faith, to have such trust in God, to be used in such amazing and dramatic ways to grow God's kingdom. And when we see those people, I think it's easy for us to often critique ourselves, to say, I don't know if I'm like that. I don't know if my faith is strong enough. I don't know if I can be used by God in that way. Or on the other side of the coin, when we see people like Jeremiah who question God's ability to use them, who are honest with their opinions, who bring to God their concerns and fears, I think it's easy to often critique them. 
because they have experienced God firsthand. They have seen God move. They have heard from God audibly. They have heard God speak. And yet, even in the midst of those situations and interactions, encounters with God, they put up concerns, roadblocks, insecurities. But yet, on either side of the coin, I think we forget one important fact about the people in the Bible. That they're just that, people. People like you and like me, regular, ordinary people who are responding to these amazing situations and encounters with God in regular, ordinary, normal people ways. God is going to do amazing things through them, but they're still people. And here in in Jeremiah's situation, he responds like how I think many of us would. As God has called us and formed us, has given this amazing calling, though a challenging one, we would respond in saying, God, am I the right person for the job? Do you know who I really am? Maybe you feel like you're too young, that God cannot use you yet, that you need to get a little bit older. Or maybe on the other side of the coin, you feel like you're too old, that God can't use you anymore, that you're somehow outside of God's usability. Or maybe like Jeremiah, you struggle with your speech. You don't feel like you have the correct words to say. Or maybe you feel that your past disqualifies you from being used by God. The things that you've done, the things that you haven't done, the choices that you made somehow disqualify you from being used by God. You feel that you're unworthy. But I think that when God responds to Jeremiah, he is speaking a universal truth that not only applies to Jeremiah's life, but it also applies to ours. And so when you hear these words, hear them as not only applying to Jeremiah, but hear them as applying to you. So Jeremiah has just said he feels he's too young or he feels that he isn't up to the job. And God, almost before he can finish making that statement, responds. In verse 7, But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. Do not say I am too old. Do not say that my past disqualifies you. Do not say fill in the blank. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. God responds to Jeremiah's feelings of inadequacy. His feelings that he can't be used by God. But he really sees through what Jeremiah is actually saying. Yes, he has given Jeremiah the words to speak. Yes, he has responded to Jeremiah's feelings that he can't be used because he's too young. But if you notice where God ends the statement, God is talking about fear. Because I think often when we put up roadblocks or we focus too much on our own abilities and our insecurities, it's actually because we're afraid. Because when God calls us to do something amazing, it often takes that step of faith. And that often leads us to fear. 
Even though we know God can use us, even though we know that God will give us the abilities, we respond in a natural, normal, human way, and we're afraid. And yet, God, in the midst of our fear, and in the midst of Jeremiah's fear, says to us, Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will rescue you. You see, it's only with the assurance that we know God is with us that we can actually live into the calling that God has for us. When God calls people, he also promises to be with them and to care for them and to provide his presence as an assurance that we can do what he is calling us to. Callings are also reciprocal. Not only do they impact the people that we're called to speak to or to help or to encourage or to love, they also do the same thing to us. As we encourage other people, we get encouraged. As we love other people, we feel love. As we draw other people to God, we ourselves draw closer to God. And that's the way it's supposed to work. It's an awesome benefit of living into the calling that God has for us, is that we help others and we help ourselves as we grow closer and grow into relationship with the ruler and creator of the universe. It's only with that assurance that God is with us that we can live in the calling that God has for us. And that was true for me in my own life. Uh, Even from the age of like four or five years old, I began telling people at church that I wanted to be a pastor. I, I never had some audible voice from God telling me, you will be a pastor, Sawyer. I just saw the way God had used the pastors in my life, and I wanted that. And so I, as, I, as, as, I, excuse me, as I began to share with what God was doing in my life and said that I wanted to be a pastor, even as a young child, people said, oh, that's so cute. It's awesome. God is going to use you in so great ways. And that built me up so much so that I think I began and continued to say that more for people's compliments and encouragement than actually the call that God had on my life. I'm a huge people person, so when someone compliments me and encourages me in that, I'm like, yes, more. But when I got to high school, I thought the last thing I was going to do would be a pastor. I hadn't felt God move significantly in my life. Sure, I was still a Christian. I was still following God. But I saw my high school history teacher just impact our lives take me under his wing and really encourage me and love me. And so when I went to college, I thought I was going to be a high school history teacher, be able to share what has happened in the past and how that affects the way we think about the future and impacts students' lives. Ironically, that's kind of what I do now as a pastor, but it was not even on my radar at all that that was going to happen. But through college and through my relationship with Sarah, And through my relationship with my college pastor, God continued to reaffirm that call in my life. And as I took actionable steps of looking at seminaries and thinking about what my next step was after college, God continued to lead me and guide me and direct me. And that's what brought us here to Denver. He provided a way for us to pay for our education, encouraged us with people in our life, that allowed us to feel comfortable enough moving away from our families 
and starting off our first year of marriage in a completely new state, a new home, and starting seminary like three months in. And we felt that we were following God so faithfully that when we moved to Colorado, we were both on fire. We were like, God, we're ready. We're ready for this next step in our life. We're ready to be encouraged by you, grown by you, molded by you, to learn more about your, what your word says and to help others do the same. And God did exactly that, but in a way that we had never expected. When we moved here to Denver, we felt as if the rug had gotten pulled out from underneath us. That we had been faithful to what God had called us to, but that God like almost wasn't holding up his end of the bargain. Because when we got here, we fought more in those first couple of months in that year more than we ever had. We struggled with finances. We struggled to make ends meet trying to pay for school while we're both trying to work a bunch just so we can live. We felt lonely. We had been separated out from our community of friends and our families and now had to start that all over again here in a new place. And yet even in those struggles and those challenges and what I still hold was the, like the most difficult year of my life, God accomplished those goals that I had wanted. He drew me closer than I had ever been to himself. He formed me. He molded me. He set us up for a lifelong of service to him. And I think for some people here today, if you're like me, you maybe feel like you have some abilities. That God has given you skills and talents and you want to use them for him. But maybe you fall into the same trap that I did. When you're faithful to what God is calling you to, it's not like a bait and switch. Just because you're faithful doesn't mean that God is going to make everything perfect. In fact, that first year of seminary and our marriage gave me a firm slap in the face that I needed because I was relying too strongly on myself, my own abilities, my own strength. Sure, I thought I was trusting in God, but when it came down to it, I was really trusting myself and trying to live into God's calling through my own sufficiency. And I needed that pain, that hardship, that development, that molding and stretching to draw me back to God, to draw me back to relying on God's sufficiency, to actually putting my trust in God instead of in my own abilities and my own self. So no matter which side you're on, whether you struggle with believing that God could actually use you, whether you believe that your insecurities, your pain, what you've experienced in your life disqualifies you from God's service, or, like me, you try and try to rely on your own sufficiency in following after God and leading, living into his call. For both of those, God is saying to us, I am with you and will rescue you. God is speaking truth to our insecurities. God is providing his presence as an assurance that he will be with us and equip us. And if we know God is with us and will rescue us, 
that we no longer need to rely on our own sufficiency, our own power, our own ability, because we know that God is with us. And that's exactly where this passage ends up. Through the rest of the chapter, God outlines through visions and through direct statements the message that Jeremiah is going to have to give. A message of coming just judgment. A message of questioning the leadership of the kings and the priests as they lead the people into a life outside of God's law. A life where they worship other gods. And Jeremiah is going to speak truth to them, speak God's message of judgment, but even in the midst of that, God's hope in the midst of that judgment. And God has equipped him and set him apart. So much so that in verse 17, at the end of the chapter, God says, get yourself ready. It's time. You're ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them. Do not fear or I will terrify you before them. Don't worry about what people are going to do to you, the struggles that are going to happen. Fear me, respect me, trust me, because I have everything under control. Because today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. And then in verse 19, right at the end of the chapter, God says, they will fight against you. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be challenging. On multiple occasions, Jeremiah, you're going to risk your life to share the message and to live into the calling that God had for him. But they will not overcome you. Why? He says it again. He says it twice. Anytime that God repeats something, it's really important For I am with you and will rescue you. Jeremiah can only be God's prophet because God is with him. And we can only be used by God because God is with us. Not because we're anything special, but because God can do something special through each one of us. Because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God doesn't call the qualified, the people that think they have everything all together, that think they can rely on their own sufficiency. No, God calls the qualified, excuse me, God qualifies the called. And this is all over the Bible. This isn't just in the book of Jeremiah. Think about it. Abraham was too old, and yet God made him the father of entire generations. Jacob was a deceiver, a trickster, a cheater that stole his own brother's birthright, and yet God changed him, wrestled with him, and made him the forefather of his chosen people. Even Joseph was prideful, too focused on what other people thought of him, yet God took him on a journey that had a lot of pain and challenges in it, but put him in a position so he could feed and save not only his entire family, but the entire known world. God didn't call any of them because of their qualifications. He qualified them because he had called them. Moses also didn't speak well, and yet God used him to lead an entire people group out of slavery and bondage. God used Joseph, excuse me, Joshua, who was fearful, and God affirmed him 
with his presence and used him to lead an entire people into the promised land. Rahab was a prostitute. She had had a past. She had lived outside of God's law. And yet even God used her to save the spies and called her in to be one of his people, part of the Israelite community. And even the line of Jesus comes through Rahab. That's a story of redemption. The prophets were people, just everyday ordinary people, priests and shepherds. And yet God called them to speak truth to their societies, to be his messengers in the world. The disciples were brash, uneducated, poor fishermen who throughout the ministry of Jesus often didn't get things, didn't have it all together. And yet God used that group of people to share the good news of the gospel with the entire world. That's why we're here today, because of what they did. And even, even when we think about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he was born in a barn around animals, a poor rural kid from Podunk, Nazareth, Not born as a king in the city of Jerusalem for conquest, but speaking truth, speaking in love, performing miracles, saving people's lives, and living a perfect life, in perfect relationship with the Father, so much so that he died a sacrificial death in our place. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead, conquering our sin, conquering death, and conquering the devil so that we can all be used and called by God and that we can once again have renewed relationship with God and the forgiveness of our sins. If the history of the Bible is anything, is that God uses the low, the weak, the poor, the uneducated, the last people that we would suspect to accomplish his mission. God doesn't call any of them because they were qualified. He called them and made them qualified. Andrew Vanderbeer was a missionary during the Cold War and snuck into some of the most communist-controlled countries, risking imprisonment and his life just to smuggle in Bibles, to hold worship services, to pray and to lead people to Jesus. And he is quoted as saying this, God does not choose people because of their ability, but because of their availability. God is not looking for the best, the most wealthy, the most influential, the perfect person. The history of the Bible and the way that God calls people means for you and for me that none of us are outside of the call of God. No matter what we've done in the past, no matter our lives, no matter our insecurities, our pride, our pain, our challenges, God is calling each one of us and is going to equip us and qualify us for the mission that he has for us. So what do we do? That's a really encouraging message, right? That God is going to use us and equip us. But we don't just leave it there. We actually start living into the calling that God has for us. And I think in this season that we're in right now, we have a really easy step to take. I know we've been talking about this a lot, but I really want to encourage you again to take that step of faith and invite somebody to Easter. 
Not because what we're going to do here is so great, although I do think we could do a pretty good job, but because God can use that as a catalyst for change in somebody's life. That God can use that simple interaction, that simple conversation, even a simple door hanger to change the course of somebody's life. You may not feel that you're ready. You may be scared. You may be worried. And that's okay. Because God is going to equip you. God is going to encourage, with you, encourage you. And God is going to give you his presence to dispel your fear. As Paul says to Timothy, a young pastor, which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, of love and self-discipline. God has set us up, has molded us, has developed us, has grown us to be the people that he wants us to be, to be more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. All we have to do is say, God, here I am. I'm available. Use me. And God's going to do the rest. Do you want to pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that, that you would use all of us that you wouldn't allow our insecurities or our false sense of entitlement in ourselves, God, to be a stumbling block for you, for you using us. That you would use each of us to impact our communities, our families, our co-workers, God, our friends, for you. That we would be people who are known as your followers, God. That we would be people who trust you even when it seems scary, even when it seems hard, even when you're calling us to something challenging, God, because we will know that you are with us. That you didn't call any of us because of our qualifications, but you're going to qualify us, to equip us, and use us because you have called us. It's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen.